0: 416-216-5910 and help at the theinsurancelawyer.ca for email. And we got lots to get through today on the show. We always start with the week that was. Some cases came by your desk you're either uh, done or working on, right?
1: You know, John, it's very, very difficult sometimes to pick from all the numerous cases that I get and I see on a weekly basis, people contacting me after listening mm-hmm. to the show, hearing about it from their friends or family. So let me read you a few, a few emails. This one was interesting. And this email that came from this listener, I actually forwarded to all of the lawyers at my law firm because we keep emphasizing how critically important it is to be responsive to clients. It, it, it's, it's not just common sense, but it's just professional decency. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me read you this. This individual wrote me uh, on November 3rd. Uh, he says, hello, Sivan, I have listened to your show on AM640 a few times. I know you have covered this question, but I would like your opinion on my situation. I was injured at a shopping mall on October 2nd, 2015. I hadn't really dealt with a personal injury lawyer before and didn't do enough research before contacting a firm that advertises extensively. We've all seen those, right, John? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my case was referred to another law firm, which contacted me, uh, met with me immediately after, and I signed with this lawyer. As you may have guessed, I'm not getting any response to email or phone calls uh, to this lawyer uh, as to the progress of my case. And I'm concerned that if I were to fire this lawyer, they will claim expenses, including the referral fee, from the advertising lawyer and bill me or place a lien against my settlement uh, that I would receive if I were uh, to move to another firm. Then he concludes by saying, I emailed the lawyer last night requesting that he contact me by November 9th to provide a progress report. If I haven't received a response by next week, I plan to contact the referring firm. Any other advice would be appreciated. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mr. L. I'm not going to say his full name. Well, my advice to Mr. L is, first of all, do not contact the referring firm. There are a lot of firms out there. They advertise extensively. You see them them absolutely everywhere. And when you call them, you may not necessarily be speaking with them. Or if you are, they may just punch you over to another law firm. Hmm because what they are is a referral service. They are not actually working on your cases. So it's very, very important to understand that when you are contacting a law firm, first of all, you have to do research. Second of all, meet with that law firm, uh, speak with them, find out what experience they have. Are they going to be the ones dealing with your case? Uh, And and second of all, uh, or third of all in this case, If you have a lawyer that is non responsive to you, and this is what I told this gentleman, make sure that you document in writing your attempts to reach that lawyer. Mm -hmm. Give them a hard deadline, the way that Mr. L did here. Make sure you tell them if I don't listen to, if I don't hear from you by so and so date, I'm simply going to leave. Now, if this gentleman leaves and goes to another law firm and the Current law firm, the one he's with right now, right. issues him a bill. First of all, I don't know what the bill would be for because we have no idea if they've done any work on his claim, right? right which is a concern in and of uh, itself. Uh, but if they issue a bill, you know what? There is a very good argument here that that law firm should not be paid that bill because clearly they were non communicative. Yeah. Right? Who knows what they've done? Who knows what damage they have done because they have not communicated with him? let alone the insurance company that they ought to have communicated with. So very important for people out there to understand that even though the public, uh, generally speaking, assumes that many lawyers, uh, the majority of lawyers are non-responsive, that's that's a problem, and it should not be the case. And the law society has been trying to deal with this problem for many years. So if you have a lawyer that's dealing with your personal injury case, with your long-term disability case, if you cannot reach that lawyer or anyone at that firm, You give them a hard deadline after which if they do not respond to you, you move away and you document that in writing. And if you have any questions, give me a call, email me, or contact the Law Society for that matter. It must happen so much. It happens a lot, a lot. And you know, I mean, I like to tell the story about uh, a few years back, I get a call from this gentleman who was injured pretty badly in a car accident. And he's telling me about the accident and he tells me he has a lawyer. The lawyer has been non-responsive. He hasn't been able to reach that lawyer. And I'm asking him all these questions, and it's a serious case, really, really serious, high-valued case. Mm-hmm. And I finally ask him, "Well, you know, if you're comfortable, tell me who that lawyer is." And I find out that that lawyer is actually somebody that I know very well. In fact, I went to school with that person, and that person is a good lawyer, I can tell you, irrespective of the fact that he doesn't respond. He knows his stuff. I know yeah. how he negotiates. I know what he does. So I told this gentleman who called me, I said, "Listen, I know that you came to me for advice. I know you're." Asking to potentially switch to me, I am telling you that guy you're dealing with, that lawyer knows what he's doing. Let me give him a call, and of course, I called uh, my friend and I told him, "What are you doing? Dude, what are you doing for God's sakes? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, you're lucky he called me, you're right? Right? I mean, I knew he was in good hands. That's the reason I didn't take it over. But the point is, this is this is a widespread problem. People should not be taking that. And if there are concerns, either move to a different law firm. Right do not call the initial referring law firm that puts you in this uh, uh place right. uh
0: you know In the first place. in right? in, in yeah in the first place, yeah. but move away or contact the law society don 't people like making money like why why would you just let a a case go stiff? you know if I had business i 'd be taking care of business
1: yeah, I agree right? with you listen i I like the little story about this psychology professor I had when I was an undergrad all these years ago who came one day to the classroom. Uh, the class was just looking at him. He's going to the blackboard and he writes this one simple sentence that's stuck in my mind. The problem with human nature is human nature. Mm-hmm. So yes, are these lawyers potentially passing on or pissing people off that they should not be, mm-hmm. right? Because these people are going to move on to other lawyers. Yes, they are. Does that mean those lawyers are going to lose money because of that? Yes, but you know, Lawyers are humans and it's human nature. And some people, for some reason, just don't get that. Uh, th- you need to be responsive. Y- you need to. It develops a trust. Uh, it allows the person to know where their file is uh, in the context of the claims process. And, and you know, more to the point, it's just decency, it's just professionalism. No
0: 416-216-5910 and help at the theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to the injury calculator here in just a few minutes after a short break. And uh, some of your emails as well. And we continue the week that was on the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's Talk Radio, AM640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We roll on with the week that was uh, interesting cases you've got on your desk. What else you got for me?
1: All right, let's talk about this uh, one case where it's a car versus a uh, bicycle. Ooh. Okay, we yep. see a lot of that happening now. For some reason, there is a spike in these kinds of claims. I don't know why. Perhaps, uh, you know, the cold weather is setting in, uh, in any event. So this gentleman was injured on October 22nd. He was riding his bike home when he was clipped by a vehicle. Uh, He was at the intersection uh, on Adelaide Street here, downtown Toronto, and he noticed a vehicle approaching him, Uh, The driver was clearly not paying attention, and he was clipped from the side. He landed on his face. He injured his neck, wrist, and nose. He ended up being taken to the hospital, and he's been referred to a nose specialist because he has difficulty breathing now. He was told he might need surgery, but the doctor is waiting for the swelling to go down. And, of course, he's going to therapy for his wrist and his neck. We have a police report, etc. The guy is self-employed. He's 49 years old. Uh, and, of course, he's had to take time off from work. So he's contacting us to find out, well, what are um, my rights mm-hmm. here? Well, even though you were not in a car, you were struck by a car. So this is analogous to a situation of a pedestrian being struck by a car. Right. Anytime you have a car versus another person, whether that person is on a bike, on rollerblades, uh, on whatever it is, just walking down the street, if it's between you and a car... The law presumes that the driver of the vehicle is at fault, right? right? So in the normal course of these kinds of claims, car versus car, you were hit from behind, you have to prove that the other guy, the one who hit you, is at fault. But when you are not inside a car, but you're hit by a car, the driver has to prove that they're not at fault, okay? So that already stacks the deck in his favor, in this gentleman's favor. So then the question is, well, what can he get for compensation, one of the things that we know, obviously, he's, is is that he was injured. We don't know the extent of the injury. Even his own doctors are saying that we have to wait until the swelling goes down before we know if there's surgery. For sure. So we don't know yet if he's going to have a significant claim for compensation against the at fault driver. He likely will okay. if these injuries don't go away or if they plateau at some point, if he has difficulty working. But immediately he's able to get certain benefits from um and this is the question, from who? But he's he's able to get certain benefits. He's able to get certain therapies that should be covered by insurance. If he's unable to work and he's losing money, he should be able to get income replacement benefits. Mm-hmm. So again, against whom? Which insurance company is going to compensate him? Well, even though he was on a bicycle, if he does have a car or auto insurance, automobile insurance, his, his. own automobile insurer is going to cover him for those accident benefits. If he doesn't have his own automobile insurer, and this is the same for pedestrians too, Mm -hmm. right? If he doesn't, but he's insured on someone else in the household's insurer, right? I live with my parents. My parents have insurance. I'm an insured driver. It doesn't matter that I wasn't actually in the car at this point, but I was, let's say, a pedestrian or a cyclist. I was hit. I can claim accident benefits through their insurance. But let's say he has no available insurance. The other driver, the one who was at fault, who clipped him, that insurance company has to now pay for his acts and benefits. In addition to the potential claim he's going to have potentially for the future, for compensation for pain and suffering, and all that kind of stuff. Now, one of the things that concerns me here is that he's unable to breathe and they're talking about potential surgery. Well, why would they need to do surgery unless something is broken or torn? I mean, there has to be a reason for potential surgical intervention, which is what is concerning me about this case. So, very important in these situations to go to a lawyer from the beginning, so that the lawyer can advise you, here's what you need to do step by step. Advise your insurance company. Let's put the the insurance company of that driver on notice, on legal notice of a potential claim. Let's make sure that you're claiming all the benefits you can claim from your insurance company. So you have all these steps that have to be taken initially so that the claim, if in fact there is a claim down the road, which I think there will be in this case, yeah. seems significant enough, very important that you do these steps initially correctly. So that you set the foundation to maximize compensation down the road.
0: See, I just I can't get my head around the fact that he, he, you know, he was the one hit by this driver, whether you're on a bike or you're walking, and he has to use his auto insurance. I just I don't I don't get that. It should, to me, logic would say automatically it's the auto, it's the insurance of the other driver, the one who was actually driving the car. They should cover it. You know, you've made a very good point, and y- you're right. I mean, the laws are written in a way that sometimes don't make sense,
1: or perhaps mm-hmm. there is a logic to it. That the public or you or I are not necessarily cognizant of there there is a certain logic to it. but, but he, here's the the key thing. what may not make sense to you and me. Mm. If you don't hire a lawyer that will advise you what you should or could do, you may make mistakes along the way because you're going to proceed on the basis of what you think is common sense, not what is the law. And believe it or not, there are a lot of lawyers out there who themselves don't understand the intricacies of Motor Vehicle Accident Law or the Insurance Act or all this legislation which seems to be changing almost on on an annual basis now. I mean, you really have to be kept up to date. We go, all our lawyers go to courses all the time. And I'll tell you, John, I know a lot of lawyers who don't, who don't invest. We invest a lot in continuing education because these laws continue to grow. Right, Every time we elect a new parliament, every time we have a new prime minister, a premier, Something happens. things happen. These laws change. They're organic. Very, very important to go to a law firm that understands those changes. And sometimes those are nuanced changes because a small mistake could have major repercussions.
0: 416-216-5910 is that number anytime and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming up right here. It's Talk Radio AM 640. 416-216-5910 and help at the theinsurancelawyer.ca. Get to the injury calculator here in just a few minutes, but we'll continue with the week that was. What else you got going on? All right. So here's a long-term
1: disability case. This is interesting uh, because it raised an issue which I do see occasionally, but I don't think I've spoken about it yet. So I'm going to try and just uh, gather some of the information from this uh, email exchange that I've had. So this is a person who's been listening to the show and they heard the October 9th uh, radio show. And here's what they wrote. I was approved for LTD, long-term disability, in March 2016 based on my medical files and inability to work. Uh, Now, this person um, uh, was told that uh, we're going to provide a treatment plan from you. This is the insurance company telling this person, we're going to give you a treatment plan. We're going to send you to a uh, physical rehab center, right? Physiotherapy, uh, chiropractic, all that kind of stuff. He says, after a few weeks, my doctor advised them that I cannot continue the program as I never had a mobility issue. I have an organ problem. What does that mean? Well, let's see. And the treatment was doing the opposite. Uh, one month after that, I was told that based on the rehab, the rehab center that yeah. the insurance company sent him to, I'm okay to go back to work. Of course. Then this person says, I cannot reason with these people. He's referring to the adjuster, to the insurance company, as they talk uh, as, as what 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 they tell me is their final position, um, and, and you know. Here's, here's the interesting thing. Uh, this, this person has uh, sclerosis of the liver. So he, he related to hepatitis, okay? okay? A very serious ailment. And due to this liver issue, this is the organ that he's talking about. He has extreme fatigue, does not have an immune system, which prevents him from being able to work. Yep. He has a hepatologist, okay, which is a specialist. The hepatologist says he cannot go back to work at this point. So what did the insurance company do? Okay, just to recap here, because I'm, again, I'm pulling this information, so it may not be completely clear. This insurance company, instead of focusing on the liver issue, sends them to a rehab clinic to deal with what would be a physical problem, right? right? Limitations. Uh, things that you, would, that you would, you know, someone would send you, John, if you have issues with your neck or your back. Bad knee Things like something. that, yeah. exactly. So he doesn't have a mobility issue. He has an issue with his liver and fatigue, so they send him to this. They provide a treatment plan. They send him to this clinic. He goes through whatever treatments, which are completely inappropriate mm-hmm. for the illness he has, and then they're saying, "Well, you've done this as far as we're concerned, and based on what we get from the clinic that tell us that you have proper mobility, you can go back to work." But the guy has a liver issue. Yeah, it was
0: never a mobility question.
1: No, it's never. No, it's it's. This is just absolutely insane, you know. And, and, and you know what? The, the the irony here: this person. This uh, gentleman that contacted me, he's an insurance broker himself. Really? I mean, how ironic is that? Yeah, right. Anyways, very, very difficult situation for this gentleman. We're going to be able to help him, okay? This is not unusual. He's dealing with someone wh- who probably has two brain cells at the insurance company. <laughs> I mean, listen, you have a liver issue. You have a specialist that's telling you that that is the problem. Why are you sending this person to a treatment plant, to, to a rehab center that doesn't deal with the actual illness? Right. It's not only insane, it's insulting. And just imagine, just imagine that this gentleman here who is very, very fatigued because of his illness is being forced to go to a clinic that's probably making him feel worse For because sure. he's already fatigued. And at the end of that, they're telling him, oh, by the way, you can go back to work. So this adjuster has no clue what he or she is doing. We can resolve this very quickly by dealing directly with the supervisor and threatening that we're going to start a claim right. if they don't get their act together.
0: and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Give me some details about the injury calculator.
1: Well, as it happened, I was going to talk about another case that actually came across my desk, and and that came from the injury calculator. So let's get into the injury calculator. That's a tool that we created uh, just over a year ago. It's a free tool. It's anonymous. It allows you, if you were injured in any type of accident, whether it's a car accident or a slip and fall or a dog bit you, Mm -hmm. anything that happened like that where you were injured because of someone else's negligence, you can go onto that website, enter some basic information. When did the accident happen? Where did it happen? These are just drop menus, click menus. It takes you 15 seconds to do. I think you did that last time on the last show. And what happens is that it scans a database of cases with injuries similar to the similar to the ones that the user is indicating that they have and it tells you here is a ballpark range of what you can expect to get for your pain and suffering right. and these are not numbers that we've just come you know just just created out of thin air this is a database we've assembled from across Canada because some of these cases very 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 few end up going all the way to to court and so judges have given opinions on the value of these cases mm-hmm. And again, the majority of these cases, the vast majority, never see a courtroom. We resolve these cases fairly quickly, uh, fairly easily. I had a mediation, by the way, a couple of weeks ago yeah. on a car accident case. The mediator looks at me and the other lawyer and says, this is a baby case, he says, right? Because we move cases in our office extremely right. fast. Lior does the same thing on the yep. employment side. So anyways, injurycalculator.ca, it allows you anonymously and freely to just enter some key pieces of information about your injury and it tells you, it gives you a starting point. Here's how much you could potentially uh, recover or get compensated for, for your injury. For pain and suffering. Only for yes. pain and suffering. That's key. It, it's extremely key because you can have an injury where the value of the injury is worth $30,000, 40000 maybe $80,000, 100000 But because of the injury, you can't work, you can work less hours, and this is going to actually lead me into the next case, this individual that contacted us. Uh, So so this person had an accident back in October of 2015, last year. It's a car accident in Vaughan. And he injured his neck. And again, keep in mind, at the end of the injury calculator, when you you do the submission, you see the range, you can click for a consultation, and this is what this person did. Um, The calculator told this gentleman that the pain and suffering that he's entitled to or is owed is around $40,000 to $80,000, depending on the right. severity. Uh, he had an accident, the accident happened on uh, Highway 7 and the 400 <laughs> ramp. Uh, so here's the interesting thing as a result of the accident, he has difficulties uh, uh, dr- dr- driving on the highway. Okay. And he was earning before the accident over $80,000 in his job. Okay? He's 51 years old. After the accident, He switched companies and is now making just over $70,000. So there is about $10,000, $11,000 deficit here. If he's 51 years old and if he switched companies because he has difficulties now driving, there is an argument that this deficit, this $10,000 a year deficit will potentially continue, let's say, until age 65. So let's say 14 years worth. Fourteen years times ten thousand dollars a year deficit, nice. one hundred and forty thousand. Sure. Now again, the calculation is not that simple. There are other variables, but this is a case where the calculator told him that he's owed anywhere from forty to eighty thousand for pain and suffering. But just the income loss right. is double, triple, or quadruple that amount. So again, understand that the injury calculator device, the the tool gives you a starting point. It tells you here's how much you could get for pain and suffering, but there's a much more in-depth analysis that we can do for you free of charge.
0: It takes us literally a few minutes on the phone or via email. Just contact us and we'll we'll set you up. Fantastic. That number, 416-216-5910. It is injurycalculator.ca. And if you want to send us an email, we'll get to one right after the show or uh, right after this break, rather. It is help at ca. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's right here. It's Talk Radio AM640. 416-216-5910 and help at the theinsurancelawyer.ca. I mentioned the email address right there, and we'll get to one from Sandra Wrightson from Cornwall. It says, my husband is on long-term disability because of a concussion he suffered in a fall almost two and a half years ago. He uh, has problems seeing and remembering things. The insurance company just wrote him last week telling him that he will be cut off payments at the end of the month because he doesn't qualify for total disability anymore. Can we argue their decision? Yes, 100%, but do not appeal the decision. Yeah, right. Okay, when you're cut off or
1: denied long-term disability, oftentimes, in fact, always, the insurance company will write you a letter, and they will conclude the letter by saying if you have any other medical documentation or other documentation in general, you can appeal your decision within X amount of days. Don't appeal these decisions. You are appealing them to the same people who cut you off, essentially. Okay, it's the same insurance company. It's not a third party. Now. Uh, in this case, uh, Sandra, you're saying that he suffered the concussion. Uh, it happened two and a half years ago. I am assuming that he has been on LTD for approximately two years, probably. and probably what's happening is that they're cutting him off in the two year at the two year mark. And this is something that we see quite often. And many times people are under the impression that once they get LTD for two years, that's it. No, no, that's not the case. The majority of policies out there. You are in, you're owed LTD until age 65, sometimes even more than that. Sometimes right. you have some policies that are for 5 years or 10 years, but generally speaking, they are to age 65. And what happens at the 2-year mark is that the test to qualify for LTD changes. So within the first 2 years, the test is, can you do your own job? Right. And really, Sandra, this is what probably happened here, that he qualified during that period, presumably because his doctor said he cannot work. Simple. But once you get close to the two-year mark, the insurance company may very well be requesting more documentation or perhaps have you seen by their own doctors. What they're trying to ascertain is whether the individual qualifies for the more expanded test. So the test now is no longer, can you do your own job? It's, can you do any job for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience? Right. right. And oftentimes, they will send you to other experts who will examine you and then say, oh, yeah, you can do... 10 other jobs and here, here's what they are and here's the reason why you can you know, do these jobs. Right. The majority of these kinds of situations, for me, when I, when I have someone coming to me, Sandra, and they're telling me, look, my husband, my wife, I myself cannot work. I, I'm unable to do those other jobs. I can't do any job at this point. I'm still focused on my healing. And by the way, my doctors are supporting me. They say that I'm unable to go back to work. That is good enough in my eyes. You will you will qualify beyond the two years. The fact that the insurance company says that you won't, they are playing a game here because a lot of people simply don't understand that they can stand up and say, no, I will not accept that decision. I'm going to go to a lawyer who deals with LTD and this claim will get resolved very quickly, which is what exactly happens. So what happens in this situation, Sandra, is that I'll I'll ask you to contact me after the show And uh, what I want to see is the letter from the insurance company where they said that your husband does not qualify for total disability. I want to see the most up-to-date medical reports that were provided to the insurance company, and I will tell you within 30 seconds if he has a case or not. And John, I can tell you right now without even seeing much that in the majority of these cases, when someone contacts me or emails me because they have this concern, it's not because they can go back. It's because they cannot go back but they don't understand
0: why the insurance company is taking the position that they're taking. 416-216-5910 is that number, Sandra. But say you get a case like this and you mentioned the insurance company or, or their doctor says, you know, here's five jobs you can do. You you, know, you can physically do these jobs now. But what happens if those jobs that they're recommending are $20,000 less a year? Well, the, the,
1: so, so this is an interesting question because keep in mind, it's not can you do any job – Period. It's can you jo- can you do any job for which you're suited for right. by training, education, or experience? And you have different thresholds of how to figure that out. And the most common example we give, it's a bit of an extreme example, but it's an, it's a good example. It's what happens when you have a surgeon, who. Had a hand injury, cannot perform his or her job. But beyond the two years, it's no longer can they do surgery, it's can they, for example, teach surgery where you don't need to operate, lecture or something. Exactly. But in that case, for example, you could potentially have $20,000 less, $100,000 less. Yes, there is, you know, we have to look obviously not only at the type of job, we have to look at the salary. There are a lot of components here, which is why. We need to evaluate right. those other jobs and figure out, well, does that fall or, or you know, does that still qualify you for LTD
0: beyond the two-year mark? It's very fact-specific. So the adjusters always consult with doctors when deciding that a person's what you know, quote, totally disabled or they just, you know, sometimes go ahead and make that decision on their own? It, well, Yeah, that's exactly what they do. Sometimes they don't do that. They don't send you to their
1: own doctors or don't even have their own doctors review the files. Remember, we started the show with me giving you uh, a scenario, not a scenario, an actual case that has come across my desk with this gentleman with a liver issue where the adjuster has sent him to a rehab facility for physical rehab, but he has a liver issue. I have no doubt that this adjuster did not uh, consult with a doctor, did not even speak with a doctor or have a doctor review the file because any doctor will tell him, Clearly, if this person has a liver issue, physiotherapy is not going to help them, chiropractic is not going to help them. So no, the answer is that many of these adjusters do not console doctors. That's why I'm saying that when you get that letter denying you LTD or stopping LTD, don't assume that the other per- the person who wrote that letter knows what they're doing. Don't assume that. In fact, I would assume the exact opposite based on all of the cases that I've seen thus far. So, you know, stand up for your rights or at the very least contact me. Let me take a look at your file. Let me let let me let me ask you a few questions. I'll tell you within 30 seconds if you have a case or not. This is not difficult. Do you have to go see their doctor if they request it? You do. Um, you don't have to go see multiple doctors, right? If, right. if for example, they send you to one doctor, uh, a specialist, whatever that specialty is, uh, and they don't like the result or the opinion of that doctor yeah. because it goes against what the insurance company wants to do, They can't just send you to another doctor of the same kind. But most policies of insurance do contain provision that say that if they ask you to go see one of their doctors, you have to do that. Mm -hmm. If you don't go and do that, you are potentially in breach of the policy, which gives them an argument that, well, if you've breached your contract, your obligations... Under the policy, well, then they are allowed to stop paying you. Yeah. So be very careful in not complying with that request.
0: I guess you know, and then the thing is, when it comes right down to it, you know, if it came into a fight, your own doctors or treating physicians should trump with their guy who's only seen you once. That's would always. Say, right? That's exactly
1: always my uh, my view here. Uh, yeah. You know, it, and you see this quite a lot. You have situations where I have clients, whether it's long term disability or injury type claims where I'll have a family doctor that's been treating this person for 40 years uh, or I'll have a surgeon that's been doing the surgery and following up on this individual after this ankle fracture and these treating physicians will provide in-depth reports supporting my client's view uh, of of the case or or supporting uh, you know our position that this person cannot go back to work yep. uh, or you know needs this kind of care and the insurance company will have their own assessment by this uh, whichever physician they they've chosen who sees my client for five minutes, or even for half an hour, or even for an hour. But that's it. That's it. Yeah. Just based on that quick assessment and a quick review of the medical files, they expect that, that the insurance company expects that that doctor's opinion is going to hold up against these treating people, these people who have known my client for all these years, no, that's not going to happen. It's very rare, very rare for judges to be swayed by the insurance doctors when the insurance
0: doctors are hired guns. and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get right back to an email when we continue with more of the show, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. The number is 416-216-5910. The email address is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Got Grace here from uh, from Sarnia. Says, uh, do you help with long-term disability cases throughout Ontario or just in certain areas? I have a cousin in Niagara Falls that was just cut off LTD. And uh, I told her about you, so she asked if you can help her in Niagara Falls. Absolutely,
1: nice. uh, we 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 work across the province. In fact, beyond the province, uh, we have cases beyond uh, just Ontario because the the law, as it relates to long term disability and injuries in general, is fairly consistent throughout the country, with Except the exception Quebec. of Quebec. Yeah, because they, Quebec. Well, they have a different uh, law. It's, it's yeah. a civil law as opposed to the common law. Yeah. Uh, it, so, 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 yeah, other than that, absolutely. In fact, most of the time, um, I mean, we never ask you to come to the office for a meeting. It's unnecessary. Either we come to you or, frankly, we do a lot of this by phone, by email, Skype. So, it, really, there is no reason... Uh, why we cannot help right. individuals uh, you know, throughout the province. And you know, interestingly enough, I've had quite a few cases where we were presenting clients, let's say in Ontario, Niagara Falls as an example. I had one uh, a few months back actually. And the lawyer for this disability case that the insurance company hired was from Calgary. Wow! So you know, insurance companies will utilize lawyers from across the country. Nowadays,
0: with technology, it's not a big deal. So yeah, we do things across the province, no problem. So a person's cut off their uh, you know their disability long term, but they're uh, they're you love this word unionized. Can you help them at all?
1: So this is interesting because, of course, as you know from the employment hour, from Lior, on the employment side, once you're unionized, our employment lawyers cannot help you. How does that factor in with LTD? Well, it's not black and white. Here's what happens. We may or may not be able to help you if you are unionized and have an issue with your LTD insurer. What we do is we ask to see the collective agreement. If the collective agreement spells out in detail what you should be getting through your LTD, it tells you the amounts, it tells you what you need to qualify, it really spells it out, well, then it's understood, it's contemplated that that falls within the boundaries of the collective agreement, which sure. means the union has to help you. We can't help you. Right. But many times, either the collective agreement will not talk about disability or it will just superficially say that you're entitled to a long-term disability but doesn't go into detail. Yep. In those cases, and it makes common sense, it's not contemplated that the union will deal with it. And hmm. so we can help. Wow. So the answer is to whether or not we can help an employee with an LTD claim, right? For the LTD portion, not employment, but the LTD uh, focuses on the collective agreement. We have to review it, and oftentimes these collective agreements are online. We literally do control F. We search the collective agreement to see what does it say about long-term disability, and if it really
0: doesn't say anything or says very little, yes, we can help you. If it spells it out in detail, no, we cannot help no you. No kidding. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca is that email address. Got to a Mark here from Stouffville. It says, I slipped on black ice outside a grocery store last February and I had to have surgery on my right knee. I thought I would be okay after the surgery, so I didn't want to make any legal claims. But now my surgeon says that... Um, well, I'll need a knee replacement down the road, so I'm thinking, uh, rethinking the whole claim. There was absolutely no salt or sand anywhere I fell, so uh, I'm a little angry about it. Plus, I lost about five thousand in contracts. He's a home renovator. Uh, how do I make a claim? Well, Mark, first of all,
1: um, we, we should get in touch very quickly because I'm going to have a few questions for you. One of the questions that I'm going to have uh, are is uh, was anyone notified about this? Uh, did you actually notify the grocery store or if it was a plaza the plaza owner? Remember if you fall if you slip and fall it's very important to give notice as soon as possible take pictures take pictures, yeah, that was going to be my second point The, the picture mm-hmm. you know a picture is worth a thousand words and, and more when it comes to these kinds of claims, but it's very important to make um, even if you don't intend on making a claim, but you're injured, notify whoever owns the property, whoever is responsible. Because if you don't do that, and down the road you say, well, by the way, I fell on your property six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months ago, Good there's going to be a question as to oh, whether yeah. or not this actually happened. Maybe there was a camera outside that captured that, but you know what? I'll tell you from experience, most of these uh, cameras, even if they do work, the footage is not kept for more than 24 hours or a week maximum. So there's going to be a problem there. Now, Mark, again, it doesn't mean you have no claim. You certainly have a claim. A lot depends on your credibility, how you come across, right? And I can tell you this, having been a defense lawyer and worked for insurance companies, if I have someone across from me that I believe, right, they come across credibly, uh, then I'm probably going to be advising my insurance company client that most likely you're telling the truth. So remember, you don't have to necessarily have a witness to corroborate the injury. But that's why I'm saying that it's very important to make sure that you seek medical attention immediately, which of course he did here, mm-hmm. but also to notify whoever was responsible for the area. And remember, if you are fall if you fell uh, on ice, for example, on a city sidewalk, city property, you have 10, 10 days, days to notify the city clerk. If you don't do that, your claim could be barred. So make sure that you understand that and remember that. So Mark, give me a call. Email me afterwards. We can definitely help you. Any injury like this... Very, very significant. I can tell you right now, these kinds of knee injuries, generally
0: six-figure type claims. 416-216-5910 and help at the insurance lawyer.ca. We'll take a quick break into our last segment here of the insurance and injury Law show. Talk radio, AM640. 416-216-5910 and help at the insurance lawyer.ca. You know, especially in this climate of this city, it's it's very multicultural. So if people come to you with you know an injury or a, dis- a disabled claim or whatever. If they you know if they if they have trouble speaking English can you still represent them how do you go about it Absolutely we can yeah mm-hmm. i mean we have a lot of people from different cultures
1: you know the, the one that comes to mind uh, that just sticks in my mind is i had a uh, a tibetan client And, you know, in in Tibet, uh, but he certainly didn't speak English, so we had to find a translator, but the problem is that they have, I don't know how many uh, uh, different kinds of dialects. dialects. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, listen, this is a multicultural society. That's not an issue. Every step through the process, we can have someone translating almost any language, right? It's not an issue. So, if, if that's the concern that people have, that they don't speak English, that should not be a bar to them making a claim if legitimately they are owed compensation for an injury or if they are uh, 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 cut off from long-term disability. And I'll tell you this, John, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, many people who come from other countries and are injured Or are on disability? They feel that uh, you know they, they 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 are disadvantaged from the standpoint of being able to make a claim because you know legal language it's complicated. For sure. Yes and no. Keep in mind. First of all, you have us. We are the ones communicating with the insurance companies, not you. And oftentimes these individuals they have family members who can help translate. So it's not a problem. That should not dissuade you or whoever it is that you know from starting a claim. If in fact you do have a legitimate claim for
0: compensation or disability. I just picture you going out on your own, trying to get a Tibet tra- Tibetan translator up a very <laughs> high mountain with a Canada goose parka looking for some help. Absolutely. But, uh, Remember
1: I said that we do work outside Ontario? Yeah, well, listen, we
0: go to the Himalayas <laughs> everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll uh, wrap up with an email for today. got uh, one from Georgina, by the way. It is help at the lawyer.ca. Georgina says, I was in a car crash about eight months ago and had a pain in my right shoulder since that time. CT scan done last month revealed a tear and now I'm scheduled to see a surgeon. Is it a problem that the tear was only discovered now, eight months after the accident? No, it's not a problem.
1: However, one of the things that the insurance company is going to want to look at when they request the medical documents that we're going to have to get is did you complain about that shoulder pain after the accident? And it does happen sometimes, John, that people, you know, when they're injured in car accidents, especially car crashes, they get injured in different ways. And sometimes a certain injury is what you focus on. You know, it's my neck that I'm focusing on, yeah. not my shoulder. So maybe I've only complained about the shoulder a month later or two months later. So the insurance company is going to then start focusing on that time difference and say, look, there's no casual connection. The the accident did not cause the shoulder injury, but then they have to go back in the records to show what did cause it, right? It's not that simple. But Georgina, just to to you know give you some peace of mind, this happens quite often that the actual diagnosis is not made until much later, right. because remember it takes a long time to get a CT scan here an MRI. It's not unusual to have diagnoses uh, uh, made. Months and months later, but it's very important that we start the claim as soon as possible because this is a very significant injury.
0: And we know from our, our pal, Dr. Lou, that I mean, the injury might be in the neck, but all the pain might be felt months later in the arm. A hundred percent, the body is interconnected in ways that we can't even imagine. Absolutely, right. we'll take, uh, take it for this week. Uh, in the meantime, the email is very simple help. At theinsurancelawyer.ca, make sure you check out the Injury Calculator. That is injurycalculator.ca. What your pain and suffering, your pain and suffering could be worth uh, with an accident or or an injury. And the uh, number anytime to get a hold of Savannah. The show is complete for this week, 416-216-5910. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's right here on Talk Radio, AM 640.